said before, but the man, the myth, the legend, Gordo, the conspiracy guys, finally here, as we said long finally. time. And uh, great to have you. Thanks very much for having me. It's been, uh, it's been yeah, a long time cooking. Sure. Uh, it's got a nice crispy outside, and the inside is uh, moist and ready for consumption. Yeah, that's what I look inside. That's how I feel it. For a good podcast. Yeah, yeah. A crispy, <laughs> yeah, delicious inside, which we'll be, I'm sure we'll be talking all sorts of shite to ruin I'm sure. Meal. But uh, no, it's great to have you on, man. Um, obviously, you're the, I suppose, it, explain to me now, you're from the, those conspiracy guys, but there's only one of you. Yeah, there is now. I think, you know what it is? Um, those Conspiracy Guys was a conception of mine where I wanted to um, make a podcast, which was which was the done thing at the time. And uh, I was working in a phone shop uh, with a friend of mine, and I was like, did you ever hear podcasts? And I was doing conspiracies for like 20 years, smoking oh, hash wow. in Wexford, talking about 9-11. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> but even before that, like watching the X-Files, you're into aliens and you're into like esoteric shit and you're into like, do you know, uh, uh, intergovernmental conspiracies and JFK and all the stuff, you know, World War II fanatic and was mad into history in secondary school and Rasputin and Stalin and all that shit. So I knew something wasn't right in the world. And then it just mixed together with like a sense of drug induced uh, paranoia and a, g- a general disdain and distaste for uh, establishment authority while working in a nine to five kind of retail job and going, yeah, what? kind of mad shit can i do to fucking not have to stand in this shop and um I, you know i work retail and, and uh, uh, what would you call it hospitality my whole life up to that mm. but it also sidelined with you know a whole kind of tried out a whole musical career and then did like and did that for like six or seven years and then another six or seven years doing comedy and um trying to get into stand-up comedy and you know i got a few ads on tv and got a few big gigs and it was real nice but it just wasn't panning out, and I stopped doing comedy. My last gig, I think, was in late 2012, and like mid 2013, I started the production kind of ideas for those conspiracy guys. And I went like, yeah, look, fucking conspiracies is is huge. All my favorite podcasts at the time were conspiracy theories. Uh, the higher side chats being one of them. Greg Carlwood, and I was just like, fuck it, man. Like, let's make a podcast. And uh, I was talking with my good friend from Wexford, Eamon, from his, he, he has a podcast now called Monster Fuzz, and um, at the time he had nothing, but uh, he was wanting to make a, a podcast with me, and we were going to be two lads reminiscing about pop culture from the before times in a post-apocalyptic bunker, and it was just going to be me and him together talking about like TV shows and cartoons we used to like, and comic books, and like fucking, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, film character comic book women that we got the horn for when we were 13 and stuff like that which one has the nicest nips and we found out that that was already taken and then you know i just i just kind of fell into the conspiracy part um and then one of the original hosts paul he was working with me in the phone shop we were always talking about conspiracy shit and just like back and forth and i was talking about bullshit and uh, it just kind of fell into like let's do it about conspiracy theories i took 18 months and i fucking learned how to do website making and learned all about podcasts and then you know took my musical knowledge of uh, the audio equipment and all the stuff i had a little bit of film making stuff and a couple of bits and bobs and a, a, you know half decent computer and i just fucked it together when nobody else was really making it at the time it was like big studios had podcasts mm. uh you know it was adam curry you were going up against um and now all you have to have is like a half decent phone and a f- inflated sense of self and you can have your own podcast but um 
those conspiracy guys was born of like a lot of different long term disciplines that amalgamated fortuitously into um something that people just kind of resonated with. I'm not saying that I'm a soothsayer, but like I I think if you go back to season one and two and three, you can hear me saying like, "Oh, this is gonna be fucking huge, taking over the world." Conspiracy theories is the new rock and roll, is what they used to say a lot. And I could feel it coming, man. And 2016 happened and Donald came in and it exploded. I think we were getting big even in 2014, 2015 when we started. And then 2016 it went pew, pew, and 2017 it was like boom, boom, next level. 2018 was like fucking next level again. And now we're, I think, a little squeak over 40 million down career downloads. Um, Jesus. 176 released episodes. 800 public consumable hours and there were approximately 500 consumable hours of content on um, Patreon which is what fuels the show yeah. and uh, 1300 hours of stuff out there man that's the fucking that's, that's those conspiracy guys that's fucking crazy man. and also like just to, just to have <laughs> all of those stats like off the cuff ready to go but like I, I was going to bring it up and I'm glad it's come up now like I haven't met and not to blow smoke up your chimney just because you've jumped on my show, but, like, I got into your stuff because, like yourself, working a nine-to-five, well, not a nine-to-five, working retail, and when I was doing stock and shit, I was like, right, I've exhausted every podcast I could possibly listen to. You know, nothing's really exciting me anymore, you know. And anything, like, because I was big into film, and, like, when we started out, I say we, just me, when we started out, it was just, like, we had a whole film section, and then... I was bored of that and my friend Sean who got me into who got me into just those conspiracy goes like here listen stick this shit on there will be at least one episode from the thousands of hours of content (laughs) there's there that you will like and the one that I immediately jumped to because I was a wrestling fan back in the day was the Chris Benoit episode and that's very recent that was recorded I think in 2018 possibly something like that um, yeah, there's a whole, there's a whole American trip debacle and the whole fucking thing. It's a real, you know, it's a sore point in my soul that it didn't happen. And yeah. I often get asked about it and it's like, oh man, it didn't happen. And I, I, you know, I really wanted it to happen and I paid a bunch of people for a bunch of stuff that never happened. And, you know, there's, there's no refunds on them shits. And, sure. you know, I got nice cameras, which I'm utilizing at the moment. But those, those episodes that were recorded in 2018 kind of lasted out to 2019. I made a few more. Mm. I made a studio in Dublin in 2020, and it was ready to go in approximately March 2020. And then, like Bo Burnham, then something happened. And um, we only got to use it about 15 times in September and October before we're locked down. Like, Ireland is the most locked down country in in Europe, yeah. if not in possibly in the world. Um, restrictions and all that stuff like so I don't want to be fucking annoying people and getting my my crew my uh, my uh, uh, amalgam of talented guests and co-hosts mm. in trouble for fucking crossing county borders to try and come on the show and being caught at guard checkpoints and shit like that Um, Chris Benoit was a really good episode with Jerry McBride who's also yeah. on the Tom and Jerry podcast and he's a writer for Waterford Whispers very talented and knowledgeable gentleman yeah hilarious um, what did you think of that show? It was really good. Like he has a really fucking deep insight into like wrestling lore and the culture, right? Yeah, like it was that, and it was paired with just like 
because I had learned about because it it was around the time I suppose because twenty sixteen was the year of like the concussion and people were just starting to look into yeah. these things like when it came to random sports like heading a football again hitting rugby or like boxing well boxing's like CTEs and boxing have always been around but it's never been really looked into and I was still very interested in that and just like it was kind of that mix of how much he loved wrestling. And the just the shocking and like the rise of Chris Benoit and whoever doesn't know what wrestling is or doesn't know who Chris Benoit is like Chris Benoit was this like not a pick on him until he started dabbling in the roids and juice mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And then his just he his like his MO was being a workhorse like he gave his body and soul to the label that was WWF or WWE. And then he ended up, unfortunately, like going off the fucking deep end and what was it, murdering his wife and one of his sons? And wife and son, yeah, and then killed himself in a kind of a murdery suicide over the, mm. over a weekend. Like the grim details of it, you could fucking, you know, just bring a tear to a glass eye. Yeah. But at the same time, you talk about Chris Benoit being a worker, like he's not just like a really hard working wrestler, he is like one of the guys that created the culture of like the 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 baby face and the heel he created the culture of like the family wrestling units like where you have your that eventually turned into like the different factions like all of that stuff from canadian wrestling his whole family his dad training him being with between him and the hearts and like the business of wrestling when it was just like i don't know what age you are James. what age are you i'm 21 fucking hell dude 21 <laughs> well i wouldn't give to be 21 again when my dick skin was the same color as my leg skin <laughs> fucking hell shit it gets darker bro get ready um yeah it's like it's like who who fucking wanked me off with who, fake tan on their hands who, it's like nope your skin just that? goes like that that's yeah. not that's not my dick that's not what i, I looked at my dick in the mirror one day and i said who is that who is that guy you're looking at me looking right in the eye um, yeah, like, like uh, uh, I remember, like, being a small chiseler. Now, I wasn't a massive wrestling fan, and mm. you can say that. You, you can hear that on the show and, and my knowledge of it. Like, I remember watching, like, giant haystacks and shit like that on, like, on ITV. And it went from that, like, fucking hokey-pokey, like, hitting each other hitting each other with the chairs out of the front seat and, and going, like, big slaps and fucking mm. black leotards into, like, full personalities, full, like, the business of wrestling, oh, like, yeah. the millions and millions and millions. Like Chris Benoit was there from the very start all the way to almost the very end, and like his death almost, like almost could have caused like a rift, of, an irreparable rift in in wrestling. Um, yeah. But there was lads like Vince McMahon who were very, very, very good business people, who just got out ahead of it, who knew what the crack was going to be. Yeah. Couldn't maybe have predicted it, but like it's a really sad story. Jerry McBride is um, possibly one of the most knowledgeable men on pop culture that I know, um, but okay. specifically. On wrestling, like he's an absolute encyclopedia man. Mm. I'm trying to get him and Adam Burkers going, like make a fucking wrestling podcast where you talk about that stuff. There's also a documentary, The Dark Side of the Ring, all about yeah, uh, these yeah. kind of stories. That's and it just happened to coincide with the release of this episode as well, recorded years ago. Um, so it was nice to see, you know, like we recorded in late 2018, and then like in early 2020, it got released. Like, yeah, a long time. No, it, it's but, um, it's so fucking really really good. It's rough though. Like I, I watched the Dark Side of the Ring not too long ago, um, and it was almost like 
everybody knew, you know, what went down with him. Um, but everybody... well, what was going on continually, like yeah. in his relationships with the people who were at the very top, he had like mentors and stuff like that, but he was pushed to the very limits mm. and was kind of afraid to say no because the fickle nature of the business meant that if you said no, that you wouldn't get asked twice. And yeah, I mean, there's a, cer- there's a certain... There's a certain kind of a knowledge for people who would think like that, that as br- as braggadocious and, and as much bravado as he had, he was obviously riddled with self-esteem issues and he was riddled with, like, as he was fucking juicing and stuff like that to try and get past the pain that he was feeling from these accidents and the pushing himself and stuff like that. Um, The more he was trying to, like, steroids only repair an injury, so he was just working on, his whole body was scar tissue, like, and... and you know, it's just really sad that it ends up like that, you know. Oh, it's and it's like it's not the only one. I remember even in that podcast, it, I constantly listen back, but Jerry was talking about like who survived from that like King of the Ring match yeah. that year, yeah. and it's like three people are left, and it was like fifteen years ago. Like that, it's it's insane. Super sad, man. It's crazy, and um. Big death rate. You, you talk about like Vince, and this is not like this isn't a wrestling podcast, but like you talk about Vince McMahon, like he, he's a cold son of a bitch. Like you hear, if you've ever seen the Andre the Giant documentary, if you ever hear anything about Chris Benoit, it was like, you're going to perform for me until the wheels fall off. And for both of them, it just like for most people, it just the wheels fall off and they can't, can't hack it anymore. But yeah, it's it's full. But. James, how many ti- how many times in life can you see that happening to people and not have a visceral reaction in your own personal life? You know, you you see people where they're trying to I don't know. There's this whole kind of cl- gl- climate change, like global warming, anthropogenic global warming thing, right? Where people are being bet over the head with these statistics and these facts of like, it's your fault that the world is burning, the earth is burning because of you. And you're fucking straws, man. <laughs> Illegalized plastic straws, right? Hmm. So everyone gets like mildly inconvenienced by not making plastic straws anymore. And yet China and India and indeed the US are dumping like millions of tons of, of carbon emissions and millions of tons of plastics into the sure. sea. And like the little fucking Starbucks uh, uh, straw that we would like say, oh no, I want a paper straw actually hmm. because we're being saddled with the guilt of all these things. Like, there's so, only so many times you can be cut before you start realising, like, nah, man, I'm out of here, man. This is this yeah. is bullshit. Uh, culture is really changing. You see people like Britney Spears in her conservatorship. She's there for fucking, I think, 12, 15 years in that conservatorship, and nobody gave a fuck about that poor cunt. No. Like, she was locked up um, for years and years and years, and only now, I think, there's a, a push towards, like, some kind of equity, some kind of uh, fairness, some kind of... Like a generation is coming up behind that are steam steamrolling uh, the the social media uh, apparatus sure. to make to affect social change, right? Yeah. So you're talking about like people like Vince McMahon pushing people to the edge, and you and I in nine to five and retail jobs and looking to get out and looking to try and have options and shit like that. And then along comes this blessing of a pandemic. Like for some people, it's obviously very shit. Yeah, that. But for other people, they got to work from home and they got to realize like you know, I don't have to be a fucking wage slave. And now they're wanting the people to come back to work and people are going, no, I'd actually, I'd actually rather quit my job and go fuck yourself yeah. than go back and just stare at a wall because I know I don't have to and I've done it for 18 months now. I know I don't have to. 
I know I can sit on the sofa with my laptop and answer emails while I'm snuggling my dog. Like, I know that if I want to take an extra long shit that I don't have someone knocking on the door going, are you nearly finished? Come on, we've got to hit our numbers before four o'clock. <laughs> and you're like, get the fuck away from me or I'll chase you out of yeah. the room with shit on my hand. Like, it doesn't, <laughs> it's not, <laughs> I've done that before and it's very effective. It's not, um, That's how you get fired. It, 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 the <laughs> the I got promoted. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Gordon shows a lot of ingenuity and innovativeness when it comes to productivity. <laughs> I'm just going around. I'm the manager now, and I'm shit on my hands. Just going, do your work. You don't buy that. I'm just holding up phone. real clothes. Yeah, don't yeah. Buy that phone. I'm gonna fucking rub this but, shit um, all over you. <laughs> but people are people are, for for want of a better term, waking up. You know, to maybe not the fucking global oligarchical lizard fucking archon. Interdimensional pedophile child blood drinkers. Like, that's not, that's obviously, what? you know, a whole other conversation. But they're waking up to going, like, no, I don't want to do that. And I don't have to do that. And life's yeah. not about that. And sometimes you don't get that until you're 45 or 50 and you're having a nervous breakdown. And you're going, why am I working my whole off for some fucking law firm and coming into nervous breakdowns and heart attacks to pay for the liabilities of a massively expensive house, massively expensive sure. car, massively expensive education for my kids? People are realizing that at twenty two now, going like "fuck this shit." Like, I'm gonna go and roll around, gonna ro- roll around in the muck in a field and try and get somebody to suck my dick. Honestly, like the, for being twenty one, like I've never had like as ignorant as it sounds in my life because I've a fucking like I won't I won't sugarcoat. I have a cushy enough life here in Dublin, <laughs> but like it's only now people are starting to realize, and me, me included, like it's almost like the veil has been lifted, like. Like, mm. as soon, like, pressure makes diamonds, but in this case, you've made us all really sad and locked us in for three weeks, or th- three weeks, like, two years. Why am I saying three weeks? But, like... Pe- because it was originally three weeks, that's why. Oh, and the, we were like, yeah. oh, okay, I agree to three weeks. And it's still in the back of your mind, is that's why you said it. Yeah, exactly. It's in there, because you were promised that. And then I look at my watch, it's like, oh, like, I was 19 yeah. when this fucking pandemic started, or whatever, however old it was. But, like, uh yeah, no, it's, and people like my age are saying, uh, as soon as I get my degree, as soon as I get enough money, I'm fucking jumping ship. I'm out of here. And can you blame them? Like, the amount of shite that's gone on throughout the year, and, like, people really are starting to look behind that curtain, as you say. And no, they're not, like, putting on their tinfoil hats and being like, oh, these fucking lizard people are controlling us and mm. all this mad shit. But they are, like common people are starting to scratch a little bit above the surface and they're saying and it only takes a little scratch to realize that what you see under that thin coat that the media portrays and whatever it it isn't all fucking peaches and cream it's not it's not all rosy like we're the only country in europe to still not have fucking inside dining like uh, it, mm. it's just it's a bit nuts to me but um yeah i thought i think uh, i i'm trying to come up with it you know a, a term for these kind of things you know and um i don't know if you know much about like uh currency or the, you know global financial market or whatever yeah would you know what a fiat currency is i have no idea what that is so fiat currency is like uh, the dollar is a fiat currency okay and the, the reason it's fiat is because it's been borrowed on and borrowed on uh, each dollar has had ten dollars or nine dollars bo- borrowed on top of it printed out by the federal reserve and i have a whole i have three a triplicate a, tri- a trilogy of episodes, one is gold and money, uh, one is J.P. Morgan, and one is the Federal Reserve, and it's a twenty-one hour uh, gargantuan Jesus. of um, the history of the financial system uh, uh, as it stands um, from 
kind of the earliest coins pressed in salt to the creation of like a unified uh, global banking system in the early 20th century on into like the modern day and the, uh, the uh, abdication of the gold standard uh, from dollars in 72 from the Bretton Woods Agreement. There's shit going on like this week, next week and the week after that's going to absolutely crash the world economy, right? Um, it's all been planned as part of the Great Reset. There's a thing called like Carbon Paradox or something, or Carbon Flux okay. on this weekend. And it's the same as Event 201, which ran in October last last year, in 20, October 2019. Sorry, fucking hell. You, I'm, I know, yeah. You know when you're like, is today Wednesday? No, it's Thursday. Oh, shit. I'm like, 2021? Oh, no, 2020. Mm. Like, you missed a whole year. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so in uh, October 2019, there was a year called Event 201. And it was all the, high, the biggest, um, you know, like uh, uh, multinational conglomerates and tech companies and all this, Amazon and Apple and fucking Pfizer and, and uh, the CDC and the FBI and the fucking Ku Klux Klan or whoever else. Right? Crew. And they all, they, the full, everyone, everyone's invited the to this party. Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> Assemble! <laughs> and... Uh, um, so yeah, they fucking all came together and they did like a war games type thing where it's like a f- here's a fake scenario and let's see has everybody prepared for it. Would it could it be done? Would it happen? How will we all get around it? And uh, guess what the fake scenario was? Was it a pandemic? A global pandemic surrounded uh, a, a coronavirus outbreak that was yet to be discovered because coronavirus is not an, a, a new thing. There's been coronaviruses for years. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, a coronavirus type. Uh, illness Jesus. that would create a pandemic that would shut down you know all the countries of the world it's basically like playing Plague Inc did you ever play that oh, game yeah, on, the, on, the, on your phone game. love that game it's like playing Plague Inc but you have like Amazon and, and Apple and Facebook and fuck, all these people and they're all starting like well if if it happened wink I'd make policies on this wink only if the wink right yeah yeah and that was all in October 2019, and like six months later, the world is locked down. So this week there was yuck. Fuck, I think it's called Carbon Paradox or something like that. I, I I'll send I'll send the people the the, the real thing. Sure. Uh, I put it up on social media, and uh, it's again another war games type thing. And you know what? You know what? They're they're all sitting around trying to talk about what's going to happen. You know what the thing is? No, tell me. Global food shortages. Global food shortages and uh, the inability to be able to travel and uh, the crashing of the economies of the world and what we're going to do about it. And then in August, I think August the 11th, there's going to be like a new kind of Bretton Woods uh, Federal Reserve Global Banking um, Seminar conference, like where everybody comes together and they're going to decide what we're going to do because, you know, Everybody's mad up to their fucking oxters in debt. There's nobody working. Yeah. Like everyone's still giving out like uh, um, these pandemic payments to keep the economy going. We're facing the biggest like global crash of all time, right? And it's all based around the dollar, which is a fiat currency. And a fiat currency is like, um, if people stopped trading with the dollar, if they lost faith in the dollar because it's not backed by anything now at this stage, yeah. it's, it's totally overvalued. Uh, then it would lose its value, it'd drop very fast, and it'd end up going into like hyperinflation the way like the Venezuelan currencies did, or some African countries you get like a billion dollar note or whatever, right? Yeah, sure. So this fiat currency means that it only works if people have faith in it. It only works if people want to use it and want to take part in it. It only works if I have a bunch of it and you need a bunch of it, and I ha- and 
and you have something that I want and I'll give it to you and you'll give me the thing. But if you don't have faith in the money that I'm giving it to you, you're not going to sell me that thing. So essentially the money that I hold is just paper notes and it's worthless, right? And so, it, so yeah. It, sorry, Go on, yeah. I'm just trying to wrap my head around it. So is this like, I know what happened to Venezuela, but like, sorry for any Venezuelan lister, listeners, but like nobody gave a shit. But if it happened to the US, ah yeah, everybody. But would if it be happened like, to the US, oh bollocks! I don't know. Like where it would, it would be all bollocks. But we'd go and move to another stronger currency, like maybe the Chinese yuan, something like that. We move to a currency that was actually backed by something that's a value, yeah, like oil or gold or something like that, right? So Jesus. the reason I'm explaining what a fiat currency is is because it kind of puts the concept of um, what fiat means. It's like a a faith based exchange right okay so i think now we're living in this concept i'm trying to come up with it's like a fiat culture so we're in a culture that only exists because people partake in it because they want to take something out of it if we stop participating in it it's the value of the currency of that culture dramatically drops so for example you know um uh, kylie jenner comes out and says oh instagram is so over i'm on snapchat blam Instagram stocks plummet by hundreds of millions of dollars. Snapchat fucking skyrockets because there's like a, a cultural shift towards popularity and usability. Um, you know, if Charlie D'Amelio says some shit about a product, it's like, fum, because she has a very high value in this culture of fiat economy. Um, but very quickly, like, you know, James Charles or somebody like that, mm-hmm who's like super duper popular and very you know influential and all that stuff and all that has one fella to come out and say like he touched my dick and then everything belonging to him is valueless sure. absolutely zero value because it just it's gone cancel culture all this accusations and stuff like that there's it's a real fiat culture where um the stock market the ba- the bull and bear uh push and pull demand and supply applies now to cultural aspects. There's not enough monetary value because people can't really rely on money because not a lot of people have money, but a lot of people have clout. And that's why I think there's a younger generation, I suppose a lot of your friends, would value clout over cash. Yeah. Well, because you can nearly get more with clout it's this, it's this, than you could with cash. It's this weird kind of hybrid with my age group, but I can see it with, because I have siblings like, what do you want to be when you're older? Like, I want to be popular. I, I want to be a YouTube star. I want to be famous. Like, there's no sense of a job. There's no sense of I'm going to earn money. It's if I have a reputation, my life is going to be fucking peaches and cream. And it, now with my age group, it's half are leaning on the side of, like, essentially just being complete capitalist. Like, get as much money as you can possibly grab onto or you invest in this, as you say, this clout, and then hopefully ride that out. Because, like, every fucking Tom, Dick, and Harry is an influencer these days, but how many make it as a living? It's the same with, like, I suppose in a weird way, it's, like, podcasts, and, like, there's hundreds upon thousands that don't get it all, get off the floor, but then there's these outliers like yourself that can, you know, live off this content, and this is, like, running away with it a little bit, but like reputation has become in itself its own currency it's it's very strange yeah. 
But the thing is, the reason it's fiat culture is because at any point, either the platform that you're on, your own good name, the informa- the information that you had proffered as true becoming false, or some other cultural shift away from like, you know, uh, the the particular genre that you're in. People don't talk about that shit no more or something like that. It can very easily change. Change on a dime, just like a stock market. Sure. If you have a company and the CEO fucks around and there's like, you know, uh, uh, sniffs around like fucking embezzlement or like tax fraud or fucking, he's like, you know, raped a bunch of women on Epstein's Island or whatever. Yeah. The stock for that company fucking hits the fucking floor. Like, e- Elon Musk can come out and say some shit. E- Elon Musk is such a clever motherfucker. Like, he went on Joe Rogan's podcast, smoked a joint, and said, like, oh, I don't know, like, Tesla's great, but, I mean, uh, maybe it's not my my highest joy. Like, maybe it's not the thing I'll do forever. And the stock for Tesla plummeted, and then he bought fucking loads of it, and then he came out and said, here's a whole lot of new stuff, and SpaceX is brilliant, and then the stock rose back up again. I'm like, you're a fucking genius. Oh. And he did the same with, like, Shiba Coin and Dogecoin and all that stuff. SNL and everything, and, like, the whole... yeah. Bitcoin debacle of an essentially insider trading with himself, but like he's a fucking genius. But but it's all legal and it's using the cultural the cultural push absolutely to to influence valuable things. Like he's he's the highest influencer level that there can be because he's actually like billionaire who also has like cultural capital, right? Absolutely. So like this this fiat culture, if you have your mates and are out chasing clout. And they're spending loads and loads of time and loads, and loads of money investing and making a, like a huge like TikTok page. And they have like two and a half million followers and they have loads of brand deals and they quit their job, right? And they're getting loads of free swag and they're doing all these videos or they're doing Instagram posts, doing stories and getting paid like a few hundred bucks, a couple of thousand bucks. What happens all of a sudden if they're like, I don't think vaccines are cool or I'm not wearing a mask no more or... Uh, you know, Hillary Clinton killed a, made a lot of people killed a lot of people made it look like suicide. Or you know, uh, I like David Icke or Alex Jones or one of these other people who's not allowed to be talked about. And Instagram just goes, you know what? You're not allowed to say that. Fum, you're gone. Mm. That's a whole business gone. Like if you train to be a lawyer, if you train to be an electrician or a fucking plumber or I'm trying to think of like other practical practical things. Like you're if you're if you're an engineer uh, or anything like that, an engineer or something like that, you're qualified to do the thing. There'll always be a need for that thing, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're an influencer and if you put all your skills and all your time and effort into and invested it in one platform like Instagram or TikTok, and they decide like, no, we don't want you no more, you're done. Like that's the fiat culture. Like you are, f- they'll pull the rug out from under you if they don't want you. And there's nothing you can do about it. Nothing you can do about it. And the same happened with musicians in Dublin, uh, well, all, all over the world, but particularly in Dublin, yeah. where you're not allowed into pubs. Like, what the fuck are these bodies supposed to do? Like, yeah. There's fucking thousands of musicians all over the country, uh, and loads of them centralised in Dublin, because that's where, you know, that's where most of the venues are. Yeah. They're all in Dublin, and they're all fucking twiddling their thumbs, because they can't play any gigs. Yeah, They've invested thousands in their equipment. They've probably, you know, done demos and record, done recordings and paid thousands for all this stuff. Promotional material, they're paying for websites, they're paying for, you know, all these different accounts to host their music, they're paying for uh, rent in the in the building, like probably quite expensive rent, but yeah. it's worth paying the rent in Dublin, which is a very expensive city, because you'll make it back in the amount of gigs because there's a lot of places clustered together. But then when, when everything stops... You can't make any money. Like, what do you do? Go home and live in your ma's fucking house or something. Like, 
down the country. Like what you know. So so I think at the moment people are looking at that fiat culture and going, why should I invest in a really risk? It's like investing in risky stocks. Yeah. I can invest in it, and if I play by the rules, and if I obey, and if I you know it's the that that fucking hat everyone's wearing, it is go obey. If I obey and do as I'm told and follow the rules, I'll be monetarily rewarded. But if I try and push back with something that's inside of me, something that I think, oh, this is not right, like, speak the truth, I'll get, I'll get eviscerated and I lose my ability to earn, or at least my ability to create or have a voice online. Yeah. Some people, it's not about money. And people are going, no, I don't want that anymore. On both sides. Mm. I don't want to be in a system that can where my life can be switched off remotely by somebody who has a different like moral code than me. Yeah. And it's kind of reaching out from outside of the conspiracy community, which felt at first it's starting to reach out into other different communities now where people are putting up content and finding, you know, that they're getting people reporting them for sexually explicit material and this and that and whatever, or fucking, you know, this is not, we don't like talking about this kind of stuff. Um, that that fiat culture people don't want to invest in it anymore they're staying at home I'm going to work from home well you can't work from home if you come into the office well go fuck your job then mm. I'm going to find a job that'll let me work from home mm. you know there's a real advancement and I think like from starting off those conspiracy guys years ago I, I felt like a real outsider yeah. and it was in living in a world of normals and I feel like that the, the bubble has got a little bit bigger the, the circle let's say has got a little bit bigger towards where where I am, where a lot more people are thinking about this shit, a lot more people are like, Jeffrey Epson didn't kill himself, a lot more people are like, you know, uh, why are we doing this? Like, mm. what's the fucking crack? How long are you going to keep us locked down? So much so that they're out in, out in St. William Street. Every day. You know, going up against the guards, like it's the fucking Guildford Four, or like it's like the fucking Troubles up the north, or something like going, we want the pints. It's crazy. Do you know? But Amazing. In saying that, to just take it, I suppose, a little bit away from the fear culture and in saying that like I'm, I'm gonna jump I now know which rabbit hole I'll be jumping into for the next week or so <laughs> but you said like when you started that off and like because you, you must have started off with conspiracies but then you've gone to the true crime side like like the toy box killer and Chickatilla and yeah. stuff like that like has it what's it, how am I trying to say this has it had any effect on you from looking up all this stuff? Like this is like it's some, and you do quite a great job at keeping that torture porn side of it away from the podcast. Yeah. So it's accessible to be listened to by anybody. But you have to like you have to watch those videos. Like if it's the Luca Magnata thing, like you need to search yeah. up what the toy box killer did out in Mexico or Chicatilla fucking biting boobies off of people. Like he, he like the strange <laughs> cunt. <laughs> That he was nipple nipple skips Ex- exactly like fucking yeah like, like he, exactly over. like he grew up in that Ukrainian area where they were cooking children in the stew like he, he yeah. he's a he's a mad cunt mad famine but has that is it like oh this is just like white noise to me now or is it actually does it weigh on you a bit um that's a real Doctor Phil type of question there man you know are you trying to make me. Would it, how much like how much would it be worth if you got if you got me to cry on your show? Oh, if you if, if you got thing? to cry on my show, like I could do it. Uh, you will never live it down, but like it'll be. Vi- yeah, <laughs> I'll be selling fucking printed out t-shirts. Some vi- whole, viral shit. No, thing. do you know what it is, right? Do you know what it is, right? 
do you do you as a, as a man and you're 22 i'm sorry did you say 22 21, 21. nearly 20 21 and a half yeah 21 and a half. Right, so you're 21 uh how often do you access your emotions how often would you say you honestly interact with your thoughts and your feelings being on the same level like you think oh fuck you but, but you know your brain goes fuck you and then your heart is fuck you and then mm-hmm. your mouth is like ah okay like how many times do you honestly engage with your emotions if you're sad where you tell people you're sad or act sad or you know it, it, it's this and talk about fucking dr phil questions it's now like this cold war can i make you cry or will you make me cry but, well no it's not a it's well, not a cold war it's quite a warm <laughs> war I'm, I'm it's a pre it's a prelude to a, a, a like a very honest answer but i kind of need a, a small bit of context no, from it, somebody else because it sounds like a weirdo when i say it like i it's strange because i would have said no two years ago but yeah. now through all of this like i've had moments um where like it's just like the sun doesn't shine you're like like what the fuck is wrong with me what's wrong with the world like you just you can't get out of this funk and i wouldn't call it depression because i thankfully never had it but like this anxiety that creeps into you it, it like it makes you sad and i wouldn't say if i'm sad i would shed tears but i'd be somebody that would have a relatively short fuse and if i um, if I'm thinking angry, I will let you know it. But ev- I feel like yeah. everybody has that wall that, oh, my heart's saying fuck you, my head's saying fuck you, but I'll just, you know, blurt out something nice or say whatever. So, yeah. Would you sit Would you sit with it? Would you Would you go like, okay, I'm feeling anxious. Yeah. Uh, it's lockdown. I don't know what's going to happen into my future. Um, I don't know like uh, all the work that I'm doing in school and college and all that stuff kind of was a waste of time. So there's a little bit of, a little bit of regret possibly, possibly because you trusted in the system, a little bit of shame, um, possibly a little bit of like guilt for not, you know, preparing better or maybe doing a little bit more work to get a bit further. I'm just saying these are universal feelings. Yeah, I'm, no. not, I'm not like, I'm, I haven't stolen your diary and I'm not reading it out <laughs> like that, right? Well, I feel like, but I'm just saying like, these are the, these are the things that people like the, the sadness people go like i feel sad and then you go like yeah but that's like saying i feel mad or i feel bad yeah you know it's a very front-facing uh, emotion it's a very like broad um description mm. if you get down into the nitty-gritty of how those emotions are yeah then you're able to maybe look at like where they come from well, people get triggered now the whole time yeah so if somebody says, says some shit and you're like oh that triggers me it's like what do you mean triggers you that is after promoting like an adrenaline spike and probably some cortisol as a, like a fight or flight mechanism because i i don't like that thing i want to be away from it but also i'm compelled to look at it mm. and I, you know is it from an experience that you had is it from a, a core memory that happened when you were a child that happened more recently is it just like a political triggering yeah. Because of your identity, it's wrapped up in a whole bunch of societal um, norms and societal habits that you have to partake in because your friends, if you didn't do that, you'd be ostracized from your group of friends. So somebody says, like, wear a mask, and you're like, mask, I'm triggered. Why are you triggered? Is it because you're compromised or because if you don't wear a mask, all your friends will think you're a cunt? Like, But people don't go in and really dig into why those feelings happen. Well, that's what I think, like, to get, I suppose, a little philosophical on you, like, that's that's what I think, because I've sat with it and it's stewed in my mind, but I think that's what anxiety is. That's like this megazord, but 
there's yes. these pieces that need to stick together to make this thing so that could be the anger that could be the sadness if you've lost somebody in all of this if if your job like is isn't treating you well like it's it's all just like more pieces to the monster and yeah. and there's like if you don't start breaking down these pieces piece by piece and understanding them it'll grow into this monster and you won't be the strongest power ranger to fight it it'll fuck you up and like it's this crazy thing now where i i've like i kind of grew up in the era where you're told to speak out about your mental health and stuff like that but i from my life was like I've, i've never had any mental health problems and then now this is hitting me. I'm like, oh, this is what they were talking about. And now I'm putting that. To everybody practice. has ma- has everybody. everybody has mental health problems. Just like everyone has like a sore ankle. Sure. Or like I had a, I hurt I hurt my arm. Like everybody, it, it might not be a broken arm. It, you might not have ever had to had pins in your arm, or an amputation. But everyone's hurt their arm. Definitely. Do you know? Yeah. No. That that. At different various variations of seriousness. Yeah, that's it, man. And like, as I said some people have the knowledge and the i suppose the mental toughness to get over it and some people don't so yeah that's that's it so to answer your question with that in mind that context of that accessing of the emotions or the, the identification of feelings and stuff like that there's a long time when i really didn't access any emotions at all that i was very cold that when something would happen uh externally or internally that i'd just be like oh yeah well that feels weird mm have some cake or you know drink or drugs or you know have a fight with somebody or you know pick a fight like with a stranger on a lewis and just be like oh you look like a prick mm. you know or like and ring up customer care for sky and just like fight with them for 40 minutes just for the laugh yeah, you know yeah. um so that the coping mechanisms of how somebody would deal with those emotions so when you're looking at murderer stuff mm. and you're trying to get into the, the nitty gritty right so my 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 show started off as like a conspiracy show with a very broad brush of what conspiracy theories mm-hmm. are and you're talking about 9-11 and jfk and sandy hook and all these like big hitters that are like oh yeah, that's a weird thing and it's definitely a conspiracy of, course, of sorts yeah. where there was a bunch of people conspired to you know whatever but then in season one and two and three and four and then five so i think four started the true crime ones but most of the ones from one two and three and a bit of four most of them like had true crime peppered in them mm. anyway, mm. but they were just under conspiracy theory. So like Madeleine McCann and Charlie Manson and stuff like that, that that are that they're like a true crime case. Yeah. They're not like a conspiracy. Uh, the definition of what a conspiracy is is super loose, and there's some people that are super purists about it. Going like, "Oh man, you used to be cool. You used to be doing conspiracy theories all the time, and now it's just true crime bullshit." And I'm like, "But sure, half the stuff before it was labeled true crime yeah. was true crime anyway." Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, um, with the obviously the the proliferation and popularity of the true crime genre in podcasting, because of stuff like uh, S Serial and S Town mm-hmm. and you know this kind of stuff, uh, West Cork and stuff like that, that you know it it behooved me to have a, a very delineated true crime wing, mm-hmm. but also I was looking for a way to be able to talk about all these mad cunts because like talking about psychopaths and murderers and people who are you know, beyond the pale as regards, like, humanity and their their um, fucking disregard for human life and safety and, you know, uh, the social contract and, um, you know, cultural uh, appropriateness and stuff like that where you're not supposed to, like, 
like Ed Kemper being a real fucking weirdo around yeah, young yeah. ones, and then like you know, you know, cutting off their heads and fucking their throat holes, or Ted Bundy going, "Hey, can you come over here?" And they were they were relying on relying on the kindness of strangers. Like Ted Bundy would be like, "Can you help me with a box of a busted arm?" Yeah. And then the next thing she'd be fucking fucked to death in a forest, and then buried, and then dug up a week later and fucked again because he's a sick yeah, cunt. And then he tried to blame society. He goes, society made me like this in his interviews. No one, he was on camera doing all that shit. And we, there's people like that who are politicians. There's people like that who are like CEOs of companies that run the social discourse, like, mm. or, or at least work in those companies, like Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Well, I mean, Facebook and Instagram are the same thing, but like all of these, you know, uh, the people running YouTube. Mm. Like, you don't think that they're getting their kicks and jollies. The same way that, I don't know, Jeffrey Dahmer did by, you know, trying to bore holes in young lads' heads in order to zombies. turn them into, like, yeah. m- minus sex zombies because he wanted to have complete control over somebody. Yeah. Now, whether it be sexually or, or otherwise, he wanted to have complete control and not give him the fucking horn. What better way to have complete control over somebody is if you're able to control their thoughts and their speech and the people they interact with. Mm. You're able to control the new things that they discover. Like... Just exploring murderers and serial killers is a fucking gateway into exploring the people behind yeah. the conspiracies. Because yeah. they're the same people, man. They just don't go out and nickel and dime and kill fucking six nurses in a house totally. like Richard yeah. Speck. They fucking become the CEO of a company and they control hundreds of millions of people's mm. d- day-to-day uh, uh, you know, existence. Like, that's the the ultimate fucking hole-in-the-head sex zombie. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah. So, like, the true crime stuff, you really... Like, I had my emotions switched off for a long time, and I'm trying to get back into, like, feeling again and trying to name my feelings. And You know, you're going through some shit, like... And obviously, the last 18 months has helped or hindered. I don't know how you would say Mm -hmm. it, but... When you're trying to access your emotions... Um, in order to understand somebody else's emotions, I think they call that empathy. Is that is yeah, that's yeah, called? Yeah. I haven't learned that one yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but, um, when you're trying to do that to a murderer, you're discovering how <sighs> you're discovering the dark. You're throwing light into the dark corners of what humanity is. Yeah, do you know? Yeah. We're all in this big room, and there's cunts in the dark in the corners, and they're still in the room, and they still have as much sway and they still have as much you know mm. input as the rest of us but there's nobody shining any lights on them nobody's talking to them mm. like let's look at those people and learn from it yeah, yeah. they're historical they're they're historical markers so my show is now a history show more more than anything yeah 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 like i talk about history and i look at it through a conspiratorial lens it's just it's just the function of examining history is conspiracy theory yeah, definitely. but it's still this shit happened these people did it here's another lad like it I predict that this thing is going to happen into the future, and then it does, because it's happened already. So it didn't turn into a true crime show. It already kind of was, but I just labeled it differently. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it doesn't affect me, I don't think, anymore. I'm kind of used to it. I know it's a story, and it's not mm. really, like, it doesn't hang on me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I would still I would still think, like, fuck, there's people out there like that, man. Yeah, yeah. Still. Yeah. You know, Larry Murphy is still free. Like. Sure, yeah. He's, he's a fucking carpenter or something now. It's like, yeah. It, it, it's, it's crazy. And, like, I think this is going to be the smoothest segue ever now because, like, we can look at Jeffrey Dahmer, we can look at Ed Kemper, we can look at, like, Gacy or whoever out in the States. Mm. But there's still that, I suppose, oh, 
there's nobody around here like that. You know, there's nobody in Dublin that's like that. There's nobody out in West Cork and Skull like that. Oh. It's a number. It's a numbers game, though. It's a numbers game. All you have to do is get the right like amount of people. Do you not think about how many fucking serial killers are in New York, but how many people are living in New York? Like, it's a fucking numbers I game. I always used to think that, like, because I remember going out. Like, and there's always this idea, like, oh, Dublin people think, or, like, if you're from any kind of city, it's like, oh, you just think Galway, and out the west is this big pile of nothing with just grass and hills and rocks. It's like, I've been to the west, and it fucking is like that. And honestly, there's, <laughs> there, if somebody wanted to murder a total Mostly. and just yeah. knock the fucking houses down, nobody would know. Like, n- like there could be yeah. anybody out there. And in this case, there now, he, whoever, whoever unfortunately took the life of Madame uh, Tuscan de Plantier like they were out there in Skull in Cork and I suppose now this is a lovely neat way of well they might yeah they may not be still living in Skull but maybe they are yeah fuck man like it's where where do you start on this the the defamation the defamation papers are going to land on your on your doorstep man not on mine oh absolutely what do you say about that it's like I'm still living in school. What do you mean by that? <laughs> Nothing, Mr. Bailey, or whoever, or any other member of school. Um, uh, but Sophie... To, to Mr. Mr. Irish Cream, yeah, let's yeah. call him. <laughs> yes. Mr. Shite Collins. Uh, he, like... Where, where do you start with this? Sophie Toscano Plante died in twenty on the 23rd of September 1996, three years before I was even born, at the age of 39. Independent filmmaker, one son with Daniel Tuscan de Plante, um, and she was an independent filmmaker. Now, she came from the glitz and glamour of Paris, and I think the question in most people's minds when this hit, certainly in my mind, when she was unfor- unfortunately murdered, what the fuck is she doing out in school? Like, Yeah, I think the people there, a lot of them, um, I watched the Jim Sheridan documentary recently, and... Uh, mm. A lot of the people who own a lot of the houses out there, it it, it turned at the, at that time in the nineties from like a very parochial Irish village which had a lot of like legacy people living there and a lot of older people and when they die they leave the house to a younger family that had moved out into different areas mm. of Ireland, if not abroad. And then they sold those houses and people moved in from like England, from Europe, from America. And there's a lot of people all around the bay yeah. there in Skull that are all living there for 20 years or more and none of them are locals. So like... They're blowings. To have a holiday home... Yeah, blowings. Yeah. Like, so to have a holiday home as a as a kind of a, a glitz and glam Paris uh, par, uh, par, Parisian filmmaker married to a very rich and, and famous like director and, and, and film producer... Yeah. Like 400 films or something he has Crazy. under like, his belt, like you know. He's sitting there shoulder to shoulder <coughs> with Jack Nicholas. Like he was the yeah, he yeah. was the top like the top fucking dog in Paris. And yeah. I didn't realise this, but I had to do a bit of minimal digging. She actually went out uh when she was in her teens and she had an exchange out in some part of Ireland. I don't know if it was Cork now, but that that's apparently the origin. She liked it so much that listen, I'll just buy a house with all my loads of cash that I have I suppose accumulated from this what great think life the west of Ireland um, even the southwest northwest anywhere anywhere past like you know Tullamore um, um, it's very attractive to yeah. 
famous people. Do you know, like Julia Roberts has a house out, out in Mayo here. Do you know? No. Uh, what's your what's your man's name? Uh, <clears throat> Ferris Bueller. What's that lad's name? Uh, oh, Matthew or Matthew Broderick. Matthew Broderick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matthew Broderick ha- has a house up in Donegal, and uh, uh, yeah, he killed two people. Yeah, uh, uh, knocked two knocked two women down in his car. I just like to say that about Matthew Broderick because people forget about it. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> like, there's loads of famous people out here. Fucking Matt Damon. Yeah, is practically practically living in in Holt or Bray or something like yeah, that. Who was um and who was Abraham uh, or uh, my left foot and um there will be blood. The fuck is his name? Oh, Daniel Day Lewis. Day Lewis has a house out here. Like like one of the most acclaimed actors. So like it's you're right. It's not crazy. To think that there could be the rich people out here because it's it's quite, I suppose it's an escape. Well, people will leave you alone. Yeah, people don't. Irish people that wouldn't be like I wouldn't give it to him. I wouldn't give it to him to talk. I'm beyond saying Jay Z walking around the Fino, yeah. and people are like I wouldn't fucking give it to him to fucking lick his hole. Fuck him. <laughs> I know Jay Z. I wouldn't fucking. What am I gonna do? Ward? How are you, Jay? What's right. going on, cousin? Cousin called Jay. You know what I mean? Love your your music and all that. Uh, your board is fucking, fucking savage tops. as well. But I wouldn't fucking give it to him. You know what I mean? <laughs> Thinks he's fucking grey going around. Uh, so that's the way it is. Like, they wouldn't... Uh, Irish people leave people alone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, except Bono, of course, who had to flee to the Netherlands. Oh, well. To stop being called a cunt for I some reason. Say, yeah. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, pe- pegging, pegging Roxy's house in Kalini. Oh, but it just... It just seems like... Uh, for her to move to Cork doesn't seem that weird to me. Um, it seems like a really nice place to go. Very remote... Uh, unfortunately for her murder, too remote. Yeah. yeah. Do you know it's a great it's a great place to go kill somebody? Like you said, it's like when you say it's in the middle of but fuck nowhere. It is in the middle of but fuck nowhere. Like it is, it's tough. It's at the very end of the middle. It, it's yeah. tough to find. Like they even say in one part of the the Netflix documentary, like the only cha- like the only way you would find like Sophie's uh, holiday home would be if you knew the area yourself because it's all winding roads and it's off roads and stuff like that so like already in saying that like the pool of people that you can possibly have to do this murder is already limited are you saying it has to be a local because the house is so hard to find well i'm saying that well it's a logical leap i give it to you it's a logical leap what i was what i saw and was told was that there, it would be very tough for a blow-in to locate the house and get in and out relatively, I suppose, unknown. But then again, like the house is in the middle of fucking like on a like on a rock somewhere. Well, not on a rock, on a hill. So like, you could like she could have been left there for days, which she wasn't, but she could have been if it was a little more remote. So yeah, that's that's what that's what I think, anyways. Well, I don't know. Have you ever lived anywhere really remote? Yeah, I have. I, well, I've never. Well, live is a is a tough one, but I've been and have lived in these locations. Yeah, I think there's a there's a there's something about those type of communities, especially Irish communities, with that um, mentality, that kind of the the, the local culture. Mm. Everybody looks in on everybody else. Everybody knows everybody mm. else. If there's an extra car, you'll, you'll notice it. It's not like yeah. super remote. It's not like the way Dublin is now. Not like in the rare old times, Jimmy. You know what I mean? When you knew your neighbours and you could call in for an old bag of sugar and an old cup of tea. And, the good old days. You know, you wouldn't have to ring. You wouldn't have to text ahead of time. 
and be like, I'm coming over at half two. And it'll be me ringing the doorbell so you don't have panic attack, you know what I mean? Rare old times. The good old days. And people, pe- yeah, the good old days. And uh, uh, people would know what you're fucking at. They'd know if you had extra people, someone else staying in the house. Mm. Rumours would fly around, you know. Yeah, like yeah. I've heard, of, you know, uh, 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 married women and they'd have somebody else's car. And you're like, who the car and there was a man in town he bought and the man and he bought cigarettes in the local shop and then his car was seen and blah 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 and the reports of the, and the shopkeeper are talking to go in and go so Mary tell me you're the man with the long coat mm. inside in the shop there inside he's buying the cigarettes inside like just this kind of like fucking um, the grapevine yeah, you know, yeah, the, yeah. The, the it keeps things the, fresh the, I suppose the whispers yeah yeah like they would know and like you said uh, Sophie Tuscan the plant yeah, wasn't 24 hours out no. murdered outside in the lane before the neighbour came down the way and found her like I don't think she would have been there for a very long time even though it is so remote yeah. people do be moving around people will be calling in asking how are you how are you getting well and it's 1993 as well yeah, so like yeah. there was more of that happening sure, I, now people are a little bit more disparate and yeah. social media and text messaging and phones and stuff like yeah no it, it, it's, yeah. it's strange because she was found by a neighbour that was dropping off um, firewood or something like that because like Mm. You see the like something really country, so, yeah, super country, like fucking yeah, I don't know, cabbages or something. But um, <laughs> um it, it, like if you see the specs, Sophie, I'm here with the cabbages. Well, it's such a fucking country <laughs> like, thing. Oh, you're yeah. having that, but see you later. Bye. Like really mind your yeah. own business type of shit. But um, like apparently there wasn't a murder in school for in living memory that anybody was there. So this is like completely new territory, and it like. As they say, like, you would get paranoid in that small community and you would think, like, you'd be pointing the finger at the weird cunt in the village and there's probably only a handful of them. So you're like, oh, yeah, I'd say he could be doing it. And I'd say this, like, mad paranoia went through people's minds, like, oh, yeah, I'd say it could be that fella. Like, I saw, and literally what you're saying, like, oh, he was in this car in a big, long coat with a fucking rumors, hat. Rumors, yeah. And rumors going around. It's like, oh, I'd never, but me, I'd never do it. You know, I'm, I'm perfectly normal. And I suppose the the main where the fingers were pointed at solely at one of the village weirdos that is in Bailey yeah the Sassanac mm, yeah so like he it, of course they were of course they were going to point to the Eng- cor- English man of course yeah. but like born in Manchester England but he was also he was also no no, no offence to Ian Bailey yeah. he's also a fucking bit of a cunt he, so I, he didn't do himself didn't do himself any fucking favours right such a cunt such a cunt like, like I don't care like if you haven't murdered her like okay but there isn't there's no reason why you should still be on the streets for how big of a arsehole you are like how do you get how do you get that six foot three noggin of yours up your hole and get it out every time like yeah. such yeah. like he had this inflated ego and he moved after working in Manchester and in Gloucester and stuff like that as a as a journalist and he, I, I think he had this idea that, oh, I could be like the savior of this. Well, not the savior, but I could be essentially the big swinging dick in the middle of this small Irish town. And I'm going to live this semi-frugal life and like I'm going to essentially live in a fantasy. And then he probably realized that like that fantasy that he had in his mind didn't mix well with the reality of the place. And like. Even now, and even back then, they were like, Jesus, like, he was a dickhead. Like, he was an arsehole. So. Yeah, even in that, the Jim Sheridan doc, he, he, he was very 
you know, brash, yeah. braggadocious. He's very, you know, his machismo and ego were, were definitely on display. He was even saying stuff like, you know, my journalism, my, my, my journalism career was floundering. So, I mean, what else could I do but, uh, you know, kill a young woman and make a story out of it? That, and you're like, but that's the kind of shit that's going to get you in jail, you should That's the cunt. thing. Is, is it, it, was it a case that, and, like, this is all hearsay in my mind, but, like, mm. was it a case that his vision or his fantasy wasn't going the way it planned? And he was like, oh, I know how people are going to start talking about me, but I have to play this kind of cool and I'm going to like this young one. Like you saying, like he le- he leaned into the rumors just to get a bit maybe, of clout. Maybe, or maybe he maybe maybe he invested in the in the fiat culture <laughs> of the uh, murder at the time, uh, and then the fucking and then the fucking the, the the margin call came in when the cops actually went looking for him. He's like, oh no, I was only acting a big man to try and get a bit of clout. Uh, you actually think I did it? Yeah, yeah, maybe he did. And, and all his stocks went bottomed out. Yeah, that's well, it. The, man. Well, the stock of Ian Bailey was fucking pennies to begin with. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, six foot three and six foot three, full of arsehole, all of them. He's a, like yeah. such a dickhead. And like even in those, I don't know if if you watched the uh, Netflix doc, but like he he's getting interviewed, and like it's like he's sitting there and having a cup of tea with you. And like there's this one point where not to jump the gun, but like. He was called many times by the guards in the area for beating his wife. And, like, his wife's, like, not a fucking pick on her. Jules, what's her name? Jules Holland? Thomas. Jules Thomas. Thomas. And, um, like, not a fucking pick on her. And he's, like, playing hacky sack with her head. Like, he's nailing yeah. her around the guy. And, like, it yeah. shows the... She got she got, she got got Chris Brown around the she place. She got crispy browned. She was fucked up. Yeah. Uh, like burst eye, like almost lost an eye apparently due to yeah. doctors. Yeah. Uh, really bad. And um it's it's kind of sad thinking back to it. Like I, I was watching this with my dad and he was like shaking his head because the DPP didn't look closer into him being the possible murderer because beating your wife at the time wasn't really that big a deal back in the day, which is sad to say, but like they, they didn't care. I have to say, I have to say from the outset, uh, I don't think Ian Bailey did it. Really? Uh, there's Yeah, and there's no evidence to say that he did do it. No. A lot of it is circum- a lot of it's circumstantial. Very. And the easiest option is not often the correct one. So. Okay. I think that it's very easy okay. to find an outsider a blow-in, yeah. who had a violent past, yeah. who wa- who had some sort of stake at least in the benefit of the, you know, the clout and the the the, the monetary return that he got from her debt sure. may have been some sort of a motive, like even if it's a tertiary, yeah, 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 uh, benefit to him. Like, would would somebody kill somebody in order to write a bunch of articles to make a bunch of money? Possibly. And like we talked about those true crime things, like there are mad cons doing mad shit all day, every yeah. day, right? Possibly. But the fact that there are no no concrete evidence, and I think moreover, the blatant, wanton, and vastly uh, prolific mistakes, mm. the, the disregard for 
uh, evidence for protocol, the the gross negligence of Ongar Chiakana and the, uh, the 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 coroner, the um, what's the man's name, Harbison, yeah, yeah. Um, not coming down in time and the body being out there for I think forty eight hours, out the elements they and didn't. you're missing out on the time of death, yeah. you're missing out on you know all this kind of stuff. Uh, Evans getting washed away, not under the fingernails, like all the all the shit that you would have to nail a cunt, especially like in a an uncontrolled environment like a laneway with a cement block, and there wasn't one tip or screed of evidence, as well as a whole bunch of policemen fucking it up. Oh. It really had it really had the smell of Stephen Avery off it to me for yeah. making a murderer, <laughs> where they just needed some cunt to go down for it, if not actually go down to hang the blame on in the public eye and i think ian bailey was very convenient in that regard yeah. and that it possibly could have been uh, a french or international assassin hired by somebody to do with her to do with her husband and that's why no one has ever been found and no one's ever been prosecuted yeah well like that like ian bailey is innocent in my mind in the co- eyes of the court the french court hey. Uh, they judged him guilty. Yeah, but the, see, the law in France is yeah, different. Yeah, no, it's very different. So they were able to take they were able to take public public testimony and public admissions of yeah. guilt said in jest or sarcasm, and use them as as statements of intent. No. Um, because the, uh, uh, if you look at the uh, Amanda Knox case, James, right? Amanda Knox case, you had stuff. You had lawyers and you had judges coming out and saying, "When the uh, Americans." Uh, we're scrawling pictures of a buffalo on the on the on the cave walls. Yeah. Uh, we had courts. Uh, we had a full judicial system. Okay, so you come over here, tell us how to practice the law. Like they were fucking stingy mm. that somebody died. Some somebody died in their country mm. and they didn't know who done it. And they couldn't prove it. Like they looked like fucking oh, idiots. Absolutely. So they had to stick it to Amanda Knox. They had to give her the ringer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So, like, I think the same thing here with Ian Bailey, the same thing with Stephen Avery. There's somebody had egg on their face. The guards looked like fucking Egypts. Yeah. This was a cud, like a rural, like remote private location. They needed somebody to go down. And if not to jail or in court, the French, they fucking, they just wanted like a Rebenge. They just wanted like, I we have to have somebody stand for this because as French people, she was a French citizen we changed the rules in our laws so that we could prosecute people outside of our country for mm-hmm. killing French people abroad. Nobody else does that yeah, shit. Yeah. Like, super French thing. And they're like, yeah, we're going to prosecute him if he ever sets foot in here. If he ever sets foot in France, Fucked. he is in jail forever. You know, it's fucking... It's, it's crazy. And then, like, you're like, oh, uh, will you let Polanski go? No, he's ours. You're not allowed to have him. Yeah. It, like, it's it's... It's crazy, and like we could talk all, and there should be a whole new fucking show of how bad the guards at the time did. Like, like there was some fella, or they they didn't have a a photographer because cameras were so tough to have back those days to try and take a picture. Ian Bailey's hands that were all cut up allegedly from the barbed wire and the brambles brambles and stuff, and they were like, "Oh well, we don't have a uh, we don't have a camera around here. Well, what's our next best option?" Right, we're just going to fucking trace his hand and draw a few fucking lines on it. It's like, oh, look, there's the scrapes there. Go on in. You're fucked now. You know, down the swanee. Yeah. Like, no wonder he got off. And now a gate, like, mysteriously goes missing that had blood on it. Like, they didn't paint themselves in glory. I think you're 
I think now now that I have another opinion coming in on this, you're starting to maybe open my eyes a little bit. And you're right, somebody needed to have their head on the chopping block so it didn't look like they were completely incompetent. But even without having somebody on the block, they looked even more incompetent. Um, yeah, and Ian Bailey just fit the profile. Yeah. He was he was a stranger in town. Plus the fact he did a fucking My Cousin Vinny on mm. it. Like all over the town. You know what I mean? You ever watch My Cousin Vinny? Classic. And he's like, I shot the clerk. I shot the clerk. You say you heard it himself, ladies and gentlemen. He said, I shot the clerk. I asked him again. He said, I shot the mm. clerk. Like, Ian Betty's going around going, of course, of course I killed yeah, her. Yeah. And on paper, some French cunt with no fucking sense of irony yeah. is looking at that going, well, he said he, shot, he, he killed her, so, yeah, yeah. you know, put it through the court. Like, it's, it's uh, bananas. No, it, now, I know a lot of people are probably going to be stinging at me for saying, like, Ian Bailey's totally guilty. Have you listened to the West Cork podcast? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm like, yeah, because the West Cork podcast also have an agenda and they also want to be able to wrap it up sure. nicely with a bow and leave you wondering, jeez, did Ian Bailey do it? And go like, maybe he did, maybe he didn't, but maybe he did. Uh. And that's fucking great storytelling. It's good business for podcasting. It fucking smashed all the charts. Totally. Got super famous. Sam Bungie did a world tour. Like, he did his job. But definitely at the expense of the reputation of Ian Mm. Bailey. Like, I don't know, man. Like, there's um, there's a lot to be said for proper judiciary, jurisprudence. Like, there's a lot to be said. I mean, if it was me or you, wouldn't you like to be able to go like, okay, well, I want to be able to have an unimpeachable uh, representation in court and not have... You know, the likes of, uh, what's your man's name from Stephen Every case? Katz, oh, you know yeah, that guy, yeah, the, yeah. the lawyer? who do daily briefings and go, here's all the reasons that Stephen Avery is guilty but not in court. Okay. And like, what a little slimy cunt oh, yeah. like, like to do and that. It, and then with this, but then not to go back and forth in like, like in chronological order, but like there was a point where like, Bailey was a freelance journalist. He knew how to play that game of journalism. He yeah. knew he, yeah, like, yeah. he he played the game and he played it well and he even said, "Oh, I made enemies and that's how you know you're doing your job like well if you're making enemies." And that's what cunts say. Well, well, you won't <sighs> find a bigger cunt than Ian Bailey. Cunts often say well, that. It's like, well, I know I'm doing a good job if I'm making enemies. And like, no, you're being a great cunt, absolute though. Absolute cunt. But, it, but then it, it, <laughs> there's you know, this crazy thing where... But that's his job, I suppose. Yeah, that, that's his job. But... You need a heel. You need a heel, there's, right? There's gonna, there's always going to be... Uh, oh, I was trying to think of... Uh, there's always going to be uh, Stone Cold to the Benoit. Does that line up? Is that <laughs> it? There's, there's always going to be the CTs to the Benoit. But um, there's like... There was this point where, like, oh, a girl's been murdered in school, and uh, he goes, oh, yes, but she wasn't, like, sexually defiled or assaulted. It's like, but, like, nobody's seen the body yet, Ian. Like, how do you know? It's just like, oh, it's just, like, it's just handiwork. And there's pictures of him looking in the window, and then there was this huge... I suppose, but then that's... You can say that's just because he's a freelance writer. I mean, you can't 
train an old dog to do new tricks that's his his mo and then there's this whole idea that she had a lover over that there was two glasses on the counterboard which is completely yeah like, that's bollocks i think total fabrication total. and an emotional it's an emotional appeal to fill in the blanks in a the narrative yeah. there was talk of like the two the two, here we go now there was two chairs in the kitchen both facing each other possibly the chairs of two lovers exchanging romantic conversation over the fireplace or possibly it was some French bitch with cold feet reading her book and throwing her feet up on the chair in front of the fucking range like why would you manufacture a false a narrative that's a a gross appeal to emotion in order to create another emotion inside of somebody which is like disdain suspicion uh, you know uh, um uh the the inf- the infidelity like it's all, it's uh, and you know what that is that telling that story with the two chairs that's almost like the the grandest sin of victim yeah. blaming because she totally. was an adulterous woman mm. who was staying in a ha- mysteriously and inexplicably staying in a house uh, away from her her husband child, and her child yeah. at Christmas time like why would you leave your child at Christmas time you bad mother mm. and also you slutty fucking sloppy yeah. pussy cunt <laughs> sitting opposite a man in a chair that's not your husband how dare you even Open your mouth to another man that doesn't have a ring oh. on it that matches your ring. You fucking slut! I'm glad you got killed. Like that's that's Ireland to a T. Some back then. tabloid, but some tabloid fucking paper selling oh, bullshit, absolutely. son. Like that's what they were at all up and down to Bailey to Sophie Tuscan de Plantier up and down until it became such an untenable uh, force for mistakes and uh, negligence on the part of the guards that they just had to like lock it down all con- all narratives converging to one let's make this and try and hammer it in dude I, there's a fucking series on the netflix uh might be on sky as well now um confessions is called okay. and it's a whole series of i think about two dozen people who were arrested now i know it's american cops so it's probably doesn't apply here but um, <clears throat> you're they're arrested by American police, and basically, like poor Brendan Dassey, uh, forced into a false confession, or they were asked questions around and around and around in circles over like ten or twelve or fourteen or twenty four hours, and they got two answers wrong that didn't match, oh. and then they were like, "Well, you got that wrong," so bam, and they just they just needed to nail somebody for this fucking murder, yeah. and you you didn't answer the question right after twenty four hours, so bo- you're and. They're fucking five and six and seven years in jail before they're able to get an appeal to show that they actually had an alibi. And the reason that they were in, oh, the only reason they were in jail is because they fucked up the, con- the the interview and confessed by accident. So, like, <sighs> that shit happens all yeah, the fucking yeah, yeah. time. These boys want quick justice, especially when there's, there was no hope, no hope of them guards finding who actually no, killed her. No. Whoever done it was an absolute pro. Yeah. Nobody found anything. There was hair in her hand, and we're like, oh, "There's hair in her hand." Oh fuck, it's her own oh, hair. Geez. Yeah, like, oh, there's shit under her fingernails. Oh, it's just muck. Is it is it a case though that it's it was done by a pro, or they were just egregiously bad Garda that they were like they like they didn't have a clue and like there's the sergeant who was both, in man. charge that was like listen that shit stayed with a lot of the men it's like yeah because 
they got to be guards to make sure nobody was punching the head off each other after a few too many in the pub and they could all laugh it off and like have money in their pocket and stuff like that get a decent pension like they didn't sign up for the life of a murder solving guard like you'd have in dublin or yeah. big cities or any kind of city it's not it wasn't csi school no, no it was it know? was or law, law and order like ice tea is down in school going hey man this woman she got fucked up real bad oh she did i boy she did yeah she, she'll not run around here are you I don't understand. she's definitely looking like you around here in a long time now do you know what I mean? Fucking, oh, yeah. uh, 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 the, <laughs> the guy standing over going, oh yeah, there's a, there's a, what was it? Was it? Uh, <laughs> oh no, I was trying to think of your, what's your fucking man's name? He puts on the glasses and he's like, uh, uh, I hope you, <laughs> I hope you, I hope you, I hope you find the evidence. And it wasn't. Plenty out there. Yeah! The CSI guy or something. Putting his fucking sunglasses on. Like, you never get those lads. It was a bunch of fucking handball alley fired muck savage fucking nyardy who didn't really know what the fuck they were doing. Didn't seal off the place properly. Also, like, the establishment, the Irish constabulary and the forensics team yeah. and all the shit that they need for a murder like it's 93 man like we're not do you know we hadn't even we hadn't even had we hadn't even had our third Roddy Doyle film at that point do you know what I'm saying like Ireland was very yeah, young we didn't even have the and snapper. um yeah like it's it's how do you get somebody down to find a murder of a woman who's been out in the rain for yeah. two days like with with DNA with DNA evidence that just like everyone forgets like DNA only came in the mid 80s and only came into Ireland in the early 90s so like Brand new technology. Uh, bit, do you know what? It's the fucking best time in the world and the best place in the world Absolutely. to be a murderer. Because you just c- totally get away Absolutely. with it. Now, but like, this is where it starts to get, I would say, a bit funky. This is where I would start to maybe question because until you come along and I'm sure you're a fucking pro at making people like look <laughs> at the other side of the coin. This is where it gets a little funky for me if Bailey did it or not. Now, Marie Farrell was the key witness, I suppose, to pinpoint Bailey at Kilfather Bridge. Yes. Clo- which is the closest location. This is the, this is the, essential, this is the essential evidence. The essential evidence. Is this witness. Like, and she said, was wholeheartedly, she was very credible, I saw Ian Bailey at Kilfather Bridge, which is like... And why would you doubt her? Why would you doubt she, she There's no MO, like, there's no... no reason she's just uh, like she's a fucking nobody from the back arse out of yep. nowhere like what what was the reason to not believe her but at the same time as you, like as you tend to do look at the other side of the coin why would you believe her you know that, that there's well i mean nobody's nobody's going to come out and be a witness for a murder case if they're going to be lying it's true why would anyone have the, the motivation or the inclination to lie it's true it's it but but it turns out it turns out that she was actually telling porcupines, right? Telling a load of shit. She was telling garbage, like straight up garbage coming out of her mouth in court. And this is where it gets even a little stranger. Bailey sued eight different publications for libel. Yes. So he essentially simultaneously it was a it was a it was a defamation bootcamp. Oh my god! There was fucking false allegations eight, coming everywhere. It oh yeah, we just did that identically did on the video. <laughs> the way. That looked really fucked up. Just went straight for the fucking... Visual aids help me learn. Um, But 
That's where you get visual aids, is that the bukkake yeah. parties coming in your no, eye? No, 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 no. <laughs> I've got about I've got about eight minutes left before I gotta go. I've got quite a quarter to the Yeah, story. absolutely. But this is like the the, the closing shit. Like he brought he brought all of these publications together. He says, "Oh, you can go to the Supreme Court, and you can get like bountiful amounts of money." And he was like. Yeah, I'll take it in the circuit court. Infinite, you could you could have got an infinite amount of money infinite at the, at the Supreme money. Court. But yeah, he was saying that he was like, I'm not doing it for the cash. Potentially, but there's that mm. other side. It's like, well, if it's just the circuit court, I don't have to deal with the jury. I can just deal with a judge. And that's where I was thinking. So instead of instead of instead of thirteen people have to convince, it's only, only the one. One cut in the box, and yeah, he did it. I mean, technically, that could be suspicious. That could be suspicious actions. It could be a, an intent. But then again. The 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 nobility in that decision to not be mm. going for the big payout, the big money. He just wanted to clear his name, sure. and I think his his legal counsel advised him. Look, at if you go for the Supreme Court, sure you get your ruling. Mm. It's it's a sword with two sides, you know. If you go to the Supreme Court and you get your ruling, you get a big payout, and and it'll be a financial disincentive for the papers to do that of shit course. again. But also, people are going to be like, you're only have to get paid, which more lean towards you being yeah, like, yeah, yeah. at least morally guilty. If you go to the circuit court when you're looking just to clear your name, it seems like a more like a mar like a like a moral victory sure. over over that. And then you could go off and be a journalist and still make your money and still fucking write Absolutely. a book about I, I you know, I was al- I was almost accused of murder or mm. something like that. Um like it was a clever choice, Very. I think. It was the he's right not, choice. He's a listen, he's but a punk, but he's not an idiot. But the thing is, though, Marie Farrell ended up then. I don't know. Am I stepping no. on your toes for this? Like this is the this is the big reveal of the Go whole case. It. it seems to be Marie Farrell telling Porky Pies because not dissimilar to Sophie Toscana Plantier, who was, uh, you know, uh, defamed for being a a, a, a go around an in, a, an inter an interspousal mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> an interspousal sure. hussy, um. Marie Farrell was was playing away from home as well, and the guards knew about it, and they fucking leaned on her and said, "You do this, and we'll keep your affair uh, a, nice a secret between us." Nice and, and I'm like, I'm like, that's that's fucking extortion. That's blackmail. Totally. That like, why? How guards didn't go to jail for that? I have no Very idea. Like, strange. that's an absolute travesty yeah. of the Irish ju- justice system, and then it ruined Ian Bailey's reputation forever, yeah. and there was no retractions made. And then the French court took all of that stuff and then processed it as if it mm. was real. And so now another guilty verdict has gone against Ian Bailey when all of the stuff was fabricated, fabricated or conjecture, circumstantial. Like, it's all, do you know, I just think it's um, a real travesty that not only is Ian Bailey getting fucked, and he's a cunt, and sometimes, you know, cunts get, cunts get a bad, bad run. Mm. And, like, if he was nicer, maybe, or if he was a little bit more humble... Yeah. He wouldn't have got such a fucking shit shit yeah, attack. Yeah. But at the same time, like no matter how much of a country you are, if you didn't murder somebody, you shouldn't be nailed no, for it. No, right? I, I totally agree. And and above all, and I say this on a lot of my shows as well. Above all, Sophie Tiscandaplantia was murdered and her life was ended. Mm. No matter who she was or what she did, and I don't even think having no, an affair in the court fucking holiday home is really that no. bad. Well, what harm, right? But she's was killed, and her killer. Is not Ian Bailey is still out there, maybe li- living locally yeah. or possibly, you know, 
in some smoking fucking tin cigarettes in some apartment in Paris waiting for his next yeah, job. Absolutely. Like who who actually killed her and for what reason? Who was the mastermind behind it? Um, maybe they relied on the incompetence of some country guards, yeah. you know, like a Brandon Gleason movie or something sure. like that. Um, I think it was just a fucking travesty. Now here, and and we'll have to go with mm-hmm. this, but here is a fantastic theory that I got from a very um deeply buried YouTube video from about twelve years okay. ago. The injuries that Sophie Tuscanta Plantier uh, sustained, the scars to her hands, the fact that she was holding her own hair, um, the bites and the the marks, the scars and the chomp uh, marks and the scrabs that were on her hands and arms, very heavily injured. And then a cement brick was dropped on her head. She wasn't hit with it, but it was dropped on her head, I think, when she was on the ground. Uh, and made shit of her head, yeah. obviously, um, because of the weight of it, right? I saw a man made a YouTube video that was very compelling. Why was she out in the lane? Why had she got laced up boots in her jammies out in the lane? She was out very early in the morning at sunrise. They couldn't tell the exact time of death, but they think it was just after sunrise. This man purports, and I, I tend to fucking believe him, because it's so hard to find the killer of it. Could you think that uh, Daniel Tuscan de Plantier, uh, you know, they were having marital problems? That was one of the things they said on some of the podcasts. Yeah. Isn't it? Daniel Tuscan de Plantier w- w- uh, hired an assassin to kill her because she was being, uh, she w- there was infidelity yeah, yeah, yeah. in the relationship and he didn't want her to take half his shit like or whatever. Possibly, Maybe. or possibly this this mad country car cunt came out and he said, well, now I see this field here now. This field would have had horses inside it. And these horses, have you heard the horse no. theory? So this man said, Sophie Tushkan de Plantier came down from the house and she's coming down to feed the horses in the morning. And she put on her boots. Like it wasn't like, you know, you get a phone call from a friend, they come down to meet me, we're going to smoke a joint down the field yeah. Yeah, before yeah, sunrise. Yeah. It'd be romantic, right? She had the boots on, she had this dressing gown on and the whole, the pajamas and all that because she was going to feed the horses. But there were wild horses. And she went over to the gate and she was feeding them. And and I don't know if you know this, but horses bite and they bite hard and it's oh, fucking yeah. sore. Yeah. So maybe the horses started to attack her when she was in the field and there were she was giving out the food and they all just came around her and started attacking her. And I don't know if you've ever seen horses fighting, oh. but they rear up on their back legs and they'd just be boof, 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 with their yeah. front hooves, yeah. right? So maybe the horses bit the shit out of her hands and arms and started kicking her so all the bruises and contusions and all that stuff consistent with getting the shit kicked out of you. Yeah. Like her body was a bit bushed yeah, yeah, it up, yeah, right? Totally. Maybe that was a bunch of fucking horses kicking the shit out of her. And the blood on the gate that we saw a picture of but the gate went missing was her blood. She put her hand on the gate to climb out of the field to run away from the horses. Fell just at the gate and one of the horses reared up and kicked the cement block off the top of the fucking wall that was sitting up on the wall and she was fo- underneath it and the horse threw the foot up and kicked it, knocked it off the wall and it came down and smashed on the back of her head. Jeez. Maybe there's half a dozen murderous horses in the fields of Cork in the 90s going around going, fucking say nothing you about that, right? Don't say sh- nothing. You keep your fucking mouth shut or you'll be glue, my <laughs> friend. I'm telling you, I'm telling you that is a very viable and uh, often, uh, uh, often overlooked it shows, theory. That, that just shows it like... I feel like we've gone down... That's where my money is. I think is. we've gone down many routes very 
different alleys, but we we still don't have an answer, and that that just shows no. like how fucked it is. Listen, you have to be going. You're a very you're, horses. It's, it's the horses, but the horses you have to be it. going. You're a fucking busy man, yes, as sir. we all know. Uh, I gotta go take care of my take care your, of my lady, your lady and my baby. And your kid. T- anyways, tell the people where they can find you, what you're doing. Uh, doseconspiracyguys.com has everything I'm doseconspiracyguys on all the social and uh, you know reach out to me I'm, an, I, I'm quite active on Instagram yep. so if you have any questions and you want to reach out Instagram DMs yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. and um, the podcast is everywhere you find podcasts I'm sure there's something in there that you like be it a crime one or a science fiction one or an aliens one. one or a, a weird science or something about fucking you know cryptids or cryptozoology or if you're into history you're into comedy uh, and you like a little bit of fucking yeah. mystery, I think I think you should drop in and see what Huge you find. Huge amount of guests. There's enough, so, fucking something there for everybody. I, absolutely. Interviews and all sorts of mad shit going on. Yeah, there. like the fucking, not to go down another hole, but John McAfee, the whole the whole nine yards, and uh, congratulations oh, on the tour as well. Oh, stop, man. Poor old John. Thanks very much, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm all over the UK in October, um, from the 17th till the 28th. Got six dates awesome. there. And uh, I'm doing an, I'm doing a show in the Liberty Hall Theatre in the Big Smoke in so Dublin, uh, in the, on the 14th of January 2022. So I mean, if you're in town, I'm sure I could find a, a complimentary uh, ticket for you Sweet and a friend. Man, yes, uh, that totally. Do you want to drop oh, along? I tell you, there's only one yeah, man for sure, I man. bring, and that's the fella that introduced me to said show. That's Stefan. What's his surname? My man, Sean. Sean. Sean Heron, well, Sean will be there on, yes, he at the Liberty Hall Heron, on the 14th voice. of January. That's what he will. He, yeah, hearing it all night long. Uh, yeah, good man, Sean. And um, yeah, sure, I'll see the two of you at the live show. And you can get your tickets, all the links. I, I'll send you over a, a like a magic link. Brilliant. And you can click in the description of this show. And I'm going to be putting this on my feed as well. So you Go can get it. it in the description here Absolutely. somewhere. Listen. Thanks for having me on the show, man. And listen, if you're ever short a guest or need a fucking a quick fill in, Oh, we'll hit do me something. Up, my brother, hit we'll me do up. Something. This has been fantastic. Um, thank Shit. you. Nothing but love. Thanks. See you,